Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Well, again, welcome. This is part three of Christmas at the movies. Today we're going to be looking at the movie, The Polar Express, and want to welcome all of you. Uh, Join us online as well today. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are. Well, in this movie, a little boy who actually is never named in the movie is struggling with his belief if Santa was real or not. And although today we're not going to be talking about Santa Claus, I think we all struggle with our own unbelief at times. And in this world, it's easy to become like the little boy. Instead of being a seeker of the truth, we become a skeptic of the truth. And today I want to encourage you, uh, regardless of where you come from and maybe what beliefs you hold this morning, is if you would agree with me just to say, you know what, I'm going to open myself up to truth. I'm not going to be a skeptic and look for ways to disprove faith or belief in God, but I'm going to seek what God might have for me. You see, we all struggle with unbelief at times in our lives and different seasons and things and struggles that we face. And even one of Jesus' 12 disciples struggled with belief and believing and trusting in him as well. And if you take this within context to think that one of these guys actually saw Jesus do some pretty amazing stuff, like raise someone from the dead. Anyone here ever been a part of anything like that? No, right? Uh, he, he saw people healed of leprosy. He saw people just transform lives. He saw Jesus do amazing things. And it says in John chapter 20, 24 through 25, that one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And this was when Jesus had been resurrected and was back to life and was appearing to people and to his disciples. And they come to Thomas and they say, we, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas replied with this, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound <clears throat> in his side. You see, our culture gives us this same mindset that Thomas had. In order to see it, or in order to believe it, I must first see it, right? Finish this for me. It, it, I'll believe it when I see it. That's the way we live our lives. I gotta see it first. Seeing is what leads us to believing in someone or something. You see, the boy's struggle was to believe, but he had enough faith to at least climb on the train. This morning, that's all I'm asking of you. I know that we all come from different backgrounds and experiences and issues in our lives and circumstances that you may be in this morning, but I'm just asking you to be willing to get on the train, to maybe just for a minute to become a seeker of Jesus and his truth and his promises for your life and maybe drop the the skeptic part of your mind this morning, to open yourself up, to have enough faith to get on the train. Because culture says, I have to see it to believe it. But faith says, in order to see, you must first believe. Let's take a look at this next clip. Sometimes the most real things in the world are the things that we can't see. You see, culture says that I have to see it to believe it. Faith says, you must first believe in order to see. 
You see Jesus' words right after uh, Thomas is doubting him. They come and tell him he's alive. And then in verse 26 of John 20, it says, Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and at this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, which is cool. They're in a locked room. And suddenly, before them, Jesus was there. So Jesus, you know, I don't know if he was showing off or what, but he was proving his point. The doors are locked, and all of a sudden, can you imagine... Jesus appears in the middle of the room. He's with a group of people, but he singles Thomas out. And he looks at him, and he says, peace be with you. And he said, Thomas, come here. Maybe he called him Tom or Tommy. Tommy, buddy, come here. He did life with this guy for three years. He says, come over here. And he doesn't say, I know you've been doubting, but he proves his point. He says, put your finger right here. Go ahead, look. See? Touch it. It's real. Go ahead, put your wound in my side. And Thomas is doing these things, and then he looks at him. And he says, Thomas, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And finally, even though Thomas had been walking with Jesus for these three years, it's like his eyes were opened for the first time. He begins to see, not with carnal or earthly eyes, but he begins to see with an eternal perspective, with a different view of the resurrected king. The Savior of the world is standing in front of him, and he he comes to this realization, and his response was no longer doubt, but it was, my Lord, my God, you are who you say you are. You can do what you say you can do. And this morning, I believe Jesus would say the same thing to you. Some of you, maybe you've been walking with him for a long time, but you're struggling. You're in a season of doubt. You're doubting God's plan. You're doubting his purpose for your life. You're doubting the power that he has to save you and to help you and to deliver you and to heal you. And and you're struggling with doubt. And I believe Jesus would say the same thing. Don't, Don't doubt me any longer. Just believe. Trust in me. Jesus gives us this promise as he closes out this time with his disciples in verse 29. And he says, so, so you believe, Thomas, because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That you're going to be even more blessed from your faith and your trust and your belief in Jesus than even his disciples. You see, anyone can believe what they see. But it's harder to believe when you can't see. It's harder to believe when you don't understand. You see, Augustine said it this way. He said, faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. It's the way it works in God's kingdom. But it's hard to believe God for finances when your account's in the red. It's hard to believe God for that relationship to be restored when you can't even talk to that person. It's hard to believe God for a healthy marriage when the trust has been broken. It's hard to believe God for healing when the doctor says there's no hope. It's hard to believe God for peace when you've been surrounded by continuous chaos in your life and in your workplace and in your family. You see, it's tough to believe when we can't see. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us that we are to trust in the Lord with, with all of our heart, that we don't depend on our own understanding, or maybe you could say it this way, that we don't depend on what we can see Instead, we begin to seek God. We aren't a skeptic of who he is. We seek him in all that we do. And it says that he will begin to show you the path to take. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, for we live. Think about that. We live our lives as Christ followers by believing and not seeing. Another translation that you may be more familiar with says that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's how we live. That's how we relate. That's how we connect in the kingdom of God is we, we first believe, then we see. But too often, the enemy tries to get you to rely on your sight. He tries to pull you away from what you believe and to get you to look not on through a lens of faith, but through a lens of fear, through a lens of how you're feeling in the moment, not what you know to be true. And we begin to rely on our sight. We begin to rely on our own understanding. And the enemy gets us right where he wants us, in a place of doubt. And I'm telling you that when, when we don't live by our beliefs, we're not going to see the promises that God has for us. We have to see, not through an earthly perspective, but an eternal perspective, through the lens of God's scripture. I love when David said that he was in the valley of the shadow of death, that death was looming at his door. And he says that even though I'm walking through this valley, he goes, I will not fear because I know that you are with me. But the key word I want you to focus on today for some of you, and I feel like this is for someone this morning, that you are walking through the valley, but focus on the through. You are walking in it, but you are walking through it. You're not going to stay there. You're going to walk through it. And the way that you can do that is realizing that the, of the one who's walking with you. And he will see you through the valley. You're not going to stay there. God is with you. Don't lean on your own understanding. You trust him. You acknowledge him and believe that he will lead you down the path that he has for your life. You see, what you hear or maybe can't hear can many times determine what you believe. And faith Scripture says, your belief, your trust comes from hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Let's take a look at this next clip. Faith comes by hearing. You see, as soon as the boy truly believed, he could finally hear the bell and see Santa. So after believing, it's the first step. Hearing is critical, and you cannot see Christ at work in your life without having the ability to hear what he is saying. In Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says, in that message, he's the gospel of Jesus, is the message about faith that we preach, is if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing, look at your neighbor and say, believing. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by openly declaring. Look at your neighbor and say, declaring. Declaring your faith that you are saved. So you believe and you declare. So it's by believing that you're saved, not by seeing, believing, not seeing, declaring, not doubting. You see, the boy was doubting and he he couldn't hear. But as soon as he began to believe, then he could finally hear the bell. He could finally see Santa. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing 
and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But listen, you can't declare what you don't know. Maybe you've heard it this way before, that knowledge is power. That when you understand something, it's truly when it becomes powerful in your life. That, that knowing, that knowledge is what brings power, and it's the same way with the Word of God. You can't declare what you don't know. Today, I have to ask you the question, do you know what's true for you? Do you know what the Word of God says about you? Do you know what it says about the situation? Do you know what it says about what you've been doubting and struggling to believe God for? Do you know what's true for you? Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's alive, it's not dead. It's not just some old book, it's alive. That it has power behind it, that its words bring meaning, that knowledge of who God is is powerful. It says it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That's what describes the word of God for us. And then Paul in Ephesians 6, 17 says, and so, knowing that the word of God is alive and active, that it's powerful, that it's sharp, that it can cut through the doubt of your life, it says take up your sword, which is the word of God. That you have to know the truth and you have to know what's true for you. So today, I'm gonna sharpen your sword. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you some scripture today that's gonna sharpen the sword because some of you, the doubt is overwhelming you and the only way to remove the doubt is by faith and faith comes by hearing and if you don't know what's true for you, you'll never shake off the doubt and truly step in to what God has for you. Here's some promises of God for you this morning. Are you tired and burnt out and weary? Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, have you never heard have you never understood that the lord is the everlasting god he's the creator of all earth he never grows weak or weary no one can measure the depths of his understanding he gives power to the weak strength to the powerless even youths will come weak and tired young men will fall in exhaustion but those who trust in the lord who believe in the Lord, whose faith is in the Lord, it says, will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you know that that's true for you? Do you know that that's the God that you serve, that that's the God that you'd worship, that that's the God that left heaven and came down to earth for you at Christmas, is that he is the one that provides you the strength. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, come to me. All who are weary. He didn't say, come to me, those who have cleaned themselves up. Come to me, those who have got it all figured out and got it together. He said, come with your doubts. Come with your baggage. Come with your fear. Come with all of it and bring it to me. Give it to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am the humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. It's the word of God. It's the powerful word of God that's alive for you. Are you struggling with anxiety and worry today? Proverbs 1.33 says, But all who listen, who hear me, who know the truth, they will live in peace, untroubled by the fear of harm. John 14.27, Jesus said, I'm leaving. 
I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And with him, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give you, that what you see cannot give you, but only faith can give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Maybe your finances are in a wreck and you don't even know how you're going to provide for your family and you're struggling to figure out what's next. Philippians 4.19 says, And the same God who takes care of me, Paul was saying, He will supply all of your needs from His glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. You may feel like God's distant this morning. Romans 8.37 says, No, despite all these things that you're facing, despite all the doubt, despite all the trouble, despite the conflict that you find yourself in, overwhelming victory is yours. Not because of you, but because of Christ who loved us. And Paul said, I'm convinced that nothing, no thing, no one can ever separate us from God's love. He's not distant. He's close. He goes on in verse 31. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? You see, knowledge is power, but not just Any ordinary knowledge, it's the knowledge that comes from the word of God. The promises that are true for you. Your faith, your belief, your trust comes by hearing the word of God. So you got to hear it in order to believe it. And then you believe it for you, not just for me, not just for your neighbor, not just for someone else who served God better or has a better relationship or reads their Bible more. No, you believe it for you. You believe it for your life. You believe it for your marriage. You believe it for those situations that you're in. You believe it for your kids. And you believe it, and then you declare it, and then Scripture says you'll see it. You believe it, you declare it, and then you'll see it. You'll receive what you believe. That's the way it works. It doesn't work the other way around. Culture, everything else says you gotta, in order to believe it, I gotta see it first. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Your life, your relationship, Paul said, we live by faith. We live, we have relationship with Jesus through our faith. And he said, blessed are those who put their faith in me. They haven't even seen me, yet they believe. I will show them what they believe. They will receive what they believe, but you have to believe it Declare it, and then you'll see it. And I'm just telling you, first service was way more excited about this than you are this morning. I mean, this truth, I'm telling you, if you get this, it can really set you free. Because some of you are in some junk. You got all kinds of baggage in your life, and you've been waiting for God. Maybe he's waiting on you to believe it for yourself. To put action behind your belief and begin to declare that over your marriage and over your family and over your kids. You begin to know the word of God. And these scriptures I shared with you are just a a small sample of the promises of God for your life. But if you don't know what's true for you, you can't declare it. Are you in God's word? Are you studying what he says about you? Are you declaring those things over your life? You believe it, you declare it. Then he says you'll see it. So what now? What do we do with this knowledge? What do we do with this faith that we have? And you see, faith only comes alive when it becomes active. When you begin to believe it, declare it, and then act on it. Act as though it is true. If your beliefs don't change your behavior, James says, do you really believe it? So you begin to act in faith. 
on what you know to be true. Let's take a look at this last clip. Faith comes alive when it becomes active. In James chapter 2, Jesus' brother, he said, So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, belief, but don't show it by your actions the way you live? Can that kind of faith save everyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, unless it moves us to action, it's dead and useless. And we're not talking about heaven or hell here. We're talking about faith that actually becomes beneficial in your life, that becomes useful in our lives. You see, our belief must become active if it's ever going to be effective. You have to begin to act on what you believe. Today, we've been talking a lot about ourselves and our own struggles to believe. But once you believe and you've put your faith in Jesus, we then move on to where our faith becomes active. We begin to live it out for ourselves, the promises of God. We, we walk in faith. We live by faith, not by what we see or what we understand, but by trusting in God. But then that faith should move us to then tell others about what Jesus has done for us. You see, in the clip, once you begin to hear the bell, you're going to notice that those around you don't hear the same thing you hear. It's like the Christmas song that plays on the radio right now. Do you hear what I hear? And you see, this time of year, we have an opportunity to share with people the love of God, to share with them the true spirit of Christmas, to share with them what it all means for us and how God has moved in our lives and how he's transformed us and changed us and, and healed us and worked in our families. Do you hear what I hear? You see, his parents couldn't hear anymore. And for some people, maybe they believed a long time ago, but because of life and because of things they've gone through and the experiences they had, the bell doesn't ring for them anymore. In this Christmas, we have a window of opportunity that's why we're doing five services this year, because we want to give people as many options as possible. So we have a Friday night, two Saturday afternoon, evening. We have Sunday morning as normal. And all of that isn't because I just love to preach. It's because we want to give you an opportunity to ring the bell for someone else. You see, Colossians 1.15 says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God, the God that we cannot see. And the invisible is made visible in you and me. I love that Santa said this bell is a symbol of Christmas, as am I. But then he says, but remember, the true spirit of Christmas is in your heart. Last week we talked about where John says that, that God left heaven and Jesus came and he made his home in you and me. That Jesus has taken up residence in our lives. That he is in you and me. And in 1 John 4, 11 through 12, it says, Dear friends, since God has so loved us, since you have put your faith in him, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. And what he's saying there is that people will see Jesus in you. 
if you love them with the love of God. God is love. Love is in you. And if you love people in the name of Jesus, they will see the invisible God in you. See, there's two main characters in the story, Tom Hanks, the conductor, and the boy who doubts. And this boy could not see. He didn't hear the bell, but a man was willing to take him on a journey of discovery. This Christmas, we're asking you, believe it for yourself, but believe it for others. That you have an opportunity in the next two weeks to extend an invitation to people. Use Facebook. Use the invite cards we're going to give you today. Use whatever means you have to invite people and ring the bell for them. Because they're dead in their doubt. They're struggling to believe God. And you have the answer that they're looking for. You see, faith by itself isn't enough, James said. It's not just for you. He says, what good is it if you just believe it for you and it doesn't move you to action for others? He says that faith isn't going to be effective. It's not going to make a difference. And God wants to use you to make a difference. And this, this Christmas season, statistics tell us that people are more open to an invite than ever before. That the skeptic will become a seeker for the next few weeks. And you have an opportunity to ring the bell for them so that they can hear what you hear, so that they can believe what you believe, and they can see it for themselves. The band's gonna come, and we're gonna close out. I wanna share with you one final passage this morning. In Mark chapter nine, there was a father who was desperate. His child, his son was sick, and he's desperate for Jesus to do something. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus responds to this man, and he says, what do you mean if? I can't. What do you mean? If. The man was approaching him with doubt, right? He wasn't sure. Well, if you can, will you please help? I've, I've heard about you. You have a following. You've, you've done this for others. Can you do this for me? If you can do this for me, would you do it? And Jesus says, what do you mean if? He says, anything is possible if a person does what? Believes. These aren't my words this morning. I didn't make this up. This is the Son of God telling you anything is possible. Anything. If you'll believe. And then I love the Father's reply. Because I, I can identify with him. If my kid was sick and hurting and I'm not sure what's going to happen. I could imagine the worry, the fear, the, the doubt that would be in my mind and how the enemy would be using that to create distance between me and God. And the father cries out to him and he says, I do believe, but will you help me overcome my unbelief? How many of you are there this morning? Kyle, I do believe. I do believe. But man, I need God's help to overcome my unbelief. I still struggle. I still doubt that Jesus still invites you to come with all that. He says, it's okay. I'll help you to overcome. Even the disciples who saw this stuff, they prayed the same prayer. Jesus, we believe, but will you help us to overcome our unbelief? Because there's times where my eyes get off of you and they get on my situation. There's times where my problems seem bigger than you and I'm, 
I'm not believing it for myself and I'm not declaring the truth over my life and my family. There's times where, where I'm overcome with doubt and I believe Jesus invites you regardless this morning to believe it for yourself today. You see, in this movie, there's a boy who was doubting. Along comes a train, a train of a journey to discover and he had a choice. And here you are today at Adventure Church and along comes a train offering to take you on a journey of discovery, to believe God for something you've struggled to believe him for. And as Jesus told his disciples, as he told this man, as he told Thomas, he said, stop doubting, just believe. Believe it for yourself. Today, we can overcome our unbelief by understanding what the word of God, what it says for you, what is true for you in your life. Believing and declaring the truth of God's word and his promises over our lives. You believe it, you declare it, you see it, you'll receive it. That's the way it goes. But you first gotta believe. Do you believe it's true for you? Do you believe nothing can separate you from God's love? Do you believe that he's using all things together for his good and for his glory and working all things in your life? Do you believe that you can overcome the situation you're in, not through your own strength, but through his, that even though you're tired and you're burnt out, that Jesus can breathe new life into you today? Do you believe it for you? You see, I can preach it all day long. But if you don't believe it for you, it means nothing. James says it's useless. It won't impact you. It won't change you at all. You begin to act on what you believe. It's true for you. Believe it for you. Believe it for your marriage. Believe it for your kid. Believe, Jesus said, anything is possible if you'll simply believe. You begin to declare that truth. You declare the word of God, the promises of God. And he says, then... You'll see it. You will see it. God will move. He will come through. Because that's who he is. He does not lie. He will show up. Will you stand with me today? We're going to sing a song that we say, we believe in these things. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in what it means for us. And today I want to encourage you. That instead of allowing doubt to keep you silent this morning, that you'll believe it for you. That you begin to declare those truths in faith today. You'll act in faith. You'll walk in faith. You'll move forward today in faith. Not paralyzed by fear. Not being moved by what you feel, but by what you know is true. The word of God. And you'll begin to act on what you believe as we sing this song. And I believe as you walk in faith that you will see, you will overcome. You will have victory. You will see what you believe. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your promises this morning that they are true, that you are not a man that you should ever lie, that you are true, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, if we will put our faith fully in you, we won't lean on our own understanding, if we will acknowledge you and put our faith in you, that we will live and walk by faith and not by sight, that we will, not maybe, we will see what we believe because anything is possible if we will believe in Jesus name. Amen.